that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice here. Part two. This is part two of covering the Buckeyes. Our long double pod talking to members of the Ohio State beat about how they cover the team, what it's like to cover the team. At the end of this pod, Nathan Baird and Stephen Means will join me to wrap this up to talk about what our tech subscribers want in Ohio State coverage, what they value the most. If you want to be a tech subscriber, it's $3.99 a month to get a 14-day free trial, 614-350-3315 for news and analysis right into your phone. The first pod, make sure you go listen to that. What has happened at Buckeye Scoop in the last week spurred this conversation, but obviously we branched out in a lot of different ways. But Nathan, Stephen, and I in part one, beginning of part one, covered what happened at Buckeye Scoop. And then we talked about what we thought of that, message board culture, what we thought of it. Then we welcomed Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis of The Athletic. We welcomed Ben Koo of Awful Announcing, and we welcomed Bill Rabinowitz and Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch to talk about covering the team. On this podcast, which is part two, which if I could squeeze it all together into a four-hour podcast, I would. That would just be insane, even for us at Buckeye Talk. Up first, the crew from Letterman Row, Austin Ward, Tim May, Spencer Holbrook, how they go about it. Then, 11 Warriors, Dan Hope explains how he goes about it. He also formerly covered Clemson, has some insight on the differences between the beats there. Then Steve Hellwagon, one of the veteran, veteran guys on the beat from Bucknuts, as well as Dave Biddle, another veteran, and Pat Murphy from Bucknuts. Those three Bucknut guys will wrap it up. And then again, Stephen and Nathan will join me at the end to go over all this stuff again. Different kind of pod, a little evergreen. I hope you can listen to this. It, you know, nothing's going to really change. Again, it's spurred by what happened at Buckeye Scoop with the departures of two of the three co-founders of that site, Mark Givler. The co-founder who remains uh, had a disagreement with Nevada Buck, who is Ken Stickney and Kirk Barton, and Stickney and Barton have left the site. There's a lot of sort of people talking about that, writing about it. We wrote about it at Cleveland.com. That's what spurred this podcast. All right. I'm assuming you listened to part one, right? Why would you listen to part two without listening to part one? It's like you're watching like Robert, Robert De Niro be young Vito Corleone, and you're like, who's this guy? And it's like, it's Brando, man. He's, you know how Brando's old? This is when he was young. So nobody on this podcast is going to age younger. Wouldn't that be great? What if this podcast was like Young Doug? It was Little Dougie. That's not actually my Little Dougie voice. It's a little different. That's probably what this should be. This should just be me being Little Dougie. Like the origin story, part two, Buckeye Talk, the origin story, Little Dougie's Paradise. We'll get to that. But for now, we're going to talk about journalism. All right, first up. Austin Ward, Tim May, Spencer Holbrook. Thanks to those guys for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Joined by the Letterman Road crew, Tim May, Austin Ward, Spencer Holbrook. Great site. Lots of questions to ask you guys. I have a million I could ask. But, Tim, I want to start with you, Legend. I can't believe I finally have Tim May on Buckeye Talk. It only took five years. Yeah, well, you twisted my arm, man. I'm running out of juice here. Go ahead. I think when you retired from the dispatch, I was like, hey, you should come on Buckeye Talk. And then you had a new job like before I could get you on. So now yes. you have the, the Tim May podcast at, at Letterman Row. But Tim, how I mean, this is such a broad question. How has the beat changed in your time covering Ohio State football? And I know we're talking about the days when you would go out to practice with Rusty Miller and be the only guys there. But how would you put that in words? Well, most of it was just me. I mean, Rusty would show up sometimes. But uh, uh, yeah, you can tell him I said that. But uh <laughs> 
you know, Paul Spahn and Dom Tiberi and I occasionally, we'd be out there throwing the football on the sideline while the team was practicing and stuff, you know, and especially when Cooper rolled in, you know, I, there were times when you'd have, you could have a conversation with John Cooper while practice was going on. You know, he coached coaches was his big line, but you know, uh, it's changed dramatically. I think Jim Trussell had in his mind that he was going to let practice be open for the most part. But then this came along, you know what this is, the internet and, mm-hmm. uh, all of his forms. And some guy came to practice one day and um, <clears throat> wrote down all the formations they were working out in and some of the plays they ran from them. And that was the end of open practice. You know what I mean? And that's what's changed is there's now a 24 seven cycle uh, that's huge. Cause you know, I, I worked hard back then, but I'd like, I'd write like a story a day and at least a notebook, sometimes two stories a day in a notebook, but I'd be done. You know, I mean, if something broke, I'd have to wait until the next day to get it in the paper. So uh, that's what has really changed is the 24-7 aspect of it. Just like as we're recording this, you know, Austin Ward, excuse me, Austin Ward is just now joining us because he was writing a little follow to the Dallas Gant News today. I mean, the news cycle is crazy. And uh, the the funny thing about it is there are fewer newspaper guys at Praxis because they're – but there are more reporters than ever – at Ohio State practices, or at least when we get to get a chance to interview people, that's that's what's really changed a lot. And everybody's got a video camera, but we could go on and on about what's changed, including you, Tim May. You don't find Tim May without that video camera attached to his. Oh hand. yeah. Well, I always thought if somebody says something profound enough, you want it on video. But then you can just you know with video cameras now, I've got 128 megabytes sitting in that little thing, you know, and I can record forever, you know. So it's like my tape recorder and. uh why not? I mean, you know, and then, like I said, if somebody says something or does something strange while you're talking to them, hey, you got clickbait. Uh, Austin Ward, I can remember when when this site started. I think uh, you guys wrote something or broke some news, and I cited it, and I said, letter man row. <laughs> and you were like, Doug, it's letter men. And I was yeah. like, it's so crazy to think. What, when did you guys start this site? Yeah, uh, June of 2018. Okay. So this is season number four. Obviously, uh, ownership is now a little bit different for this fourth iteration. But yeah, it's uh, that time has really flown by. I, I think that I'm trying to that first year we had so much going on, Doug. Like I'm sure that you guys, you know, we all know how crazy this beat is. Tim was just talking about that, but that year in particular had nuts <laughs> stuff that we had never dealt with before. Yep. Wound up being a real you know, benefit to us, even if I didn't sleep a whole lot. Um, but it helped, you know, people figure out where I was. Um, so that was helpful. And I'm sorry for being late. No, cause you're working. Cause you're working, but Austin, I, I we're having multiple sites on here. I, I just want to, how would you say Letterman Road goes about covering Ohio state? What is it that you guys really want to try to provide to fans and focus on with your coverage? Yeah. The, the idea and the impetus for, uh, this latest model, and and I've been through probably all of them now in my career that exist, whether that's subscription, whether that's newspaper, whether that's, you know, being involved in radio, I, you know, all models I've been a part of thought, well, this, this might really be the last one that's out there. What can you do that's different? And um, what we found was the two things that we wanted to do most, and Tim was talking about having his camera there, was we wanted to have former players involved for their insight. Um, so when we started, that, that was a, a core group of guys like Beanie Wells and, uh, you know, Evan Spencer, you know, Zach Boren, 
you know, Jake Stomer, and it grew over time because we wanted we wanted them to know that they could come. And that when it comes to X's and O's stuff, that's that's never been something that I can do or draw up. And if people wanted that and to know what it was like to play at Ohio State and what was going on, we thought that they could provide that the best. The other part was that uh, Will Crawl, my boss and the the founder and publisher of the of Letterman Rope, thought that there was a huge opportunity in the video section. Everyone was doing a podcast. We all could. Yours is great. Um, but, you know, he wanted it to be 50% video and 50% written content. And I thought initially, you know, that's what – it wasn't quite the pivot to video that we've all heard of, but mm-hmm. um, it was enough that I thought, I don't know if that will work. I'm not. That's not my expertise, but um, it sounds great. Now, you know, can we do it? Can we come up with that level of content and make that match? And it took us a while to find out how to do that, but those were the two things that were driving it because Berm and I were still going to uh, write and provide daily coverage the way that we always have, but, you know, you could get that elsewhere already on the Ohio State beat, so we did need two other angles – those were the top two of others that we thought would maybe help us uh, set apart in this market. No, I think you guys have, have clearly done that. We've been talking a lot about sort of like finding your lane. If there's so many outlets yeah. here, but people do go about it in different ways. Spencer Holbrook, you're a young guy on the beat. You're a young man. Just starting your life out. Big hopes, big dreams. <laughs> well, what was it like for you joining this beat? Like did you, you came, you were a great student journalist at Ohio University. I met you when you were interning with the Cleveland Browns. When you walked into this beat, were you like, cool, awesome? Or were you like, oh, my God, I'm freaked out? Like, what did you think coming in to the Ohio State beat? Well, my first day was very intimidating because Austin was actually in Tulsa for the NCAA tournament. And I was told where to go in the Woody and how to get there. And then was told to just write observations. And I was like, well, oh. I know this team, but watching an entire practice, I'm not sure how easy this is going to be. It was pretty, uh, pretty intimidating, but uh, it's an interesting beat. Uh, now in year three covering the team, it's, uh, it's been somewhat of a, a journey and, and a learning process. And, you know, at, at Ohio, I could talk to any player I wanted at any point, any coach that I wanted at any point. And it was just open season. And now, you know, in a more controlled setting and, and, you know, relying on a lot of the expertise of, of the guys that I work with. And, you know, it, it's been, like I said, a learning process. But at the same time, I feel like I've I've picked it up and, and started to uh, to carve out a little bit of a role uh, in what we do. I love young guys. So <laughs> bright eyed. Oh, yeah. Wait till you're yeah. beaten down. But you know what? You know, Tim May acts like a young man, though. Tim May is bright-eyed. I am beaten down. You guys are great newsbreakers at Letterman Row, and you've done a great job with that from the jump. We know Tim May has been a great newsbreaker on the Ohio State beat since he started. Tim, how, from your perspective, how important is that to you as a journalist, and how have you gone about that? I've told the story, I think, on this podcast of when some of the Trestle stuff was happening, we got phone records and you could see how often Jim Trestle was calling or texting with people. And my phone number was on there like nine times in a year. And your phone number was on there like 478. And I was like, I'm dead. This is why I suck. Tim, this is why Tim kicks my butt every day. Tim, how have you done it for so long? Well, let me, let me, let me put it this way. I, I, I reluctantly went into the uh, cell, cell phone era. I didn't have a cell phone for several years after cell phones became famous or became needy. But then when I did, I totally embraced I used to jump my son because, you know, they would charge you for every text message, 10 cents or something. And he had like a 150 text messages one year, one month. And I went crazy, you know, but then I got into it. And what I, what I discovered was you can text somebody 
any time of the day or night, and they can decide to either uh, answer your text or not. But you have put them on the record, so to speak. You have texted them. You've tried to communicate with them. If you follow my drift, if you call them and they don't answer, then what do you, what proof do you have of anything? You know what I mean? And uh, but I discovered the joy of text messaging quickly, just like my my son Kyle had, who I feel bad for jumping on all those many times. And uh, but yeah, I mean that that to me was one example of you got to develop. You know, you have to have you have to have communication with the head coach in some form or fashion of the team you're covering. I think that's part and parcel to any beat you cover. Doesn't mean you kowtow to them. Doesn't, you know, you want to be congenial when it's, when it's meant to be congenial, but believe me, believe me, I've had some moments with every head coach at Ohio state, uh, Ryan day. I had a little bit of a moment with him, but it wasn't anything bad, but, uh, you know, we've all had moments with guys we're covering, but you got to have some kind of line of communication. That's why I've always looked at it, but you know, I don't pay anybody for scoops, wink, wink. And uh, I don't pay, I've never paid anybody. I might've bought somebody a meal once or twice, but, uh, but you always have to have develop sources within a building, within a, uh, within the confines of the Ohio state university that you can lean on and count on. And uh, you never reveal who those are. I mean, I had my, even my editors at the dispatch wanting to know who this who, and I would never ever let them know because it was none of their business. If you don't trust my reporting and you don't trust my sources, then fire me is the way I always looked at it, you know. And uh, so that's why you've had to go. And in these days, you know, you have to pick your spots with with people. You don't ever want somebody to lose their job because of giving you some little snippet on whatever. You know, you yeah. want to be worthy of snippet and what's worthy of snippet is, is that if they give you that info, it's not going to get them fired because the university has got a whole lot of other problems they're dealing with. If you follow my drift there. Yes, sir. Um, man, it's been, it has been an honor to have my butt kicked by you, Tim, for 17 years. Yeah, I will right. say that. I will yeah. say that. I appreciate it, man. But I got some bread here. You can put that butter on. <laughs> uh, Austin, you had extensive experience covering Tennessee yeah. before you came to Ohio <laughs> state. What, what is your, view of having covered other teams, how would you describe the Ohio State beat? Is it super competitive? Is it congenial? Is it gigantic? Is it normal? What do you think? I used to, you know, I've now been here since 2012. So, and it feels a little bit like yesterday, but it also feels like I can thankfully finally stop forgetting some of the horrible memories of covering that Tennessee program and move on from that. I But I used to say when I got here and and I was getting to know you all and the rest of the beat that like you could see how it, it was similar to the SEC beats and the one that I was just on. You'd pick out, hey, this guy's this guy's the Joker. You know, he's going to keep it light during a press conference. This guy's a really good newsbreaker. Uh, you know, I'm going to drink a beer with this guy. And like you see those on all the big beats down there. And I'm like, I could kind of pick and choose and see that it was about the same. But you know, the competition level at Tennessee was not the same as it is here. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the on-field product. I'm talking, you know, what this podcast is about with the way that the beat works. Um, and there are a lot of similarities between that Knoxville media market and this one, but Knoxville is, you know, maybe 25% of the size of Columbus. Uh, and then the entire state is, is wrapped up in everything that this particular program is doing. And a lot of resources are devoted to it. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I never felt 
outside of maybe two or three other people when I was in Knoxville, that there was real cutthroat competition for the stuff that I was doing and th- at that time, which was for a newspaper and being the top, uh, top, you know, beat guy on that team here, you know, that's not necessarily the case. What, what you and Tim were doing would make it challenging for anybody to try and come in and, and hope to get in a foot otherwise with the news breaking and, uh, you know, all that stuff, you guys had a head start, uh, justifiably and you're very good at it and so you know it was fortunate for me that when I came in there was a transition with the coaching staff that at least gave me a shot and it didn't happen for a while but I could see from right from the start that you know it wasn't going to be like it was when I was in Tennessee and it's very difficult to survive here and that it's important I think when you look at this beat that we all compete very very fiercely and competitively but there also has to be an element where you trust that the other people that you're competing with are doing their job fairly and accurately and I think by and large that has always been the case here not obviously 100% of the time based on what's just gone on here but we all have to trust and get along in a way that allows everyone to do their job correctly we're not chasing false leads or having to argue with somebody else. And if Tim said something or you said something or, you know, pick somebody else, you knew that that would be worth your time and you're not just trying to refute rumors and, and message board posts. Um, and that part has, I think, changed. And, and you know, Letterman Row now has a message board. People can do that too. But, you know, we're going to try and keep that under control as best we can um, to make sure that all that information that we see there is, is verified and so this other stuff doesn't pop up. But, uh, I think that's the part that has changed is that as this has continued to grow and Letterman Road didn't exist nine years ago, even if I was around on this beat, it's continued to expand in different ways. And that 24-7 part that you guys have alluded to makes it incredibly challenging, but it also makes it more important that you know the other people you're competing with, uh, what what might be real, what credit needs to be paid, who need, need to you know pay attention to. And that part, I you know, that wouldn't have existed when any of the three of yeah. us, excluding Spencer and I, started in this profession. Yeah, Spencer, you you have come of age in uh, you know in this digital media world in this time. Why why did you want to do this? And is being a professional journalist what you thought it would be a, a few years into your career here? Yeah, there are elements of it that are exactly. Uh, what I thought they would be um, as far as, you know, day to day, the grind of the fall, the the fun of of being in the stadium and all that stuff. And of course, it's all glamorous to everybody else. But, you know, there, there are times where you can get a little uh, down on yourself when when you're competing in this market. And there's so many different people trying to get the same exact stuff. And, and it's not easy, but I, I wanted to do this because. I love sports. Uh, nobody was going to give me a reason to play sports in college. And so the next best thing was to, to be uh, where the team is, to be where any team is and to, to be able to tell stories. And, and I love that. And uh, Austin and, and Berm and Will and Tim have given me that outlet and allowed me to uh, begin my career here. And it's, uh, it's been great. I, I can't really complain about anything I've been able to do so far at, at all. Um, you know, two college football playoff appearances for Ohio State. Uh, mm-hmm. in my time, two for me. And so that, that's that's pretty cool to, to say that right out of college. And so while there are, you know, the, the grind of the fall can get to you, uh, that I won't say that first year was easy because, you know, I missed Christmas at 20, 
22 or 23 years old. That, that wasn't fun. Uh, you know, missing New Year's for, for an Ohio State game is hard to explain to your family. But at the same time, uh, it's been rewarding in, in every way that I could have imagined it's been. Get used to that. Yeah, yeah, for yeah real. exactly. <laughs> Wait till the 12-team playoff gets here. Yeah. Nobody, nobody will see us in December. Uh, <laughs> Tim, how? what have you thought of sort of the rise of message board culture in your time as an Ohio State journalist? How, how much have you paid attention to it over the years? Do you just ignore it? Do you try to be aware in case there's something on there that you want to try to follow up on? Do you get frustrated by it? What have you thought of the whole thing? I'm, I'm going to come totally clean here. I've never – I don't think I've read – I don't think I've read a message board more than like five or six times in my entire life. Uh, because that would just, you know, to me, it's like over to me, it's like going up to the used to be the water cooler at, at work, you know, where people are gossiping and saying stuff about this person over here while they're not there and things like that. I mean, I've never gotten into the message board uh, thing. Um, I did get interested in forums in the middle of this summer when something appeared on a forum, which was totally made up about me. Yes, sir. I really, I got really upset about that. Really upset. Uh, let the let one of the main people who was involved know immediately I was upset. And of course, that main person involved was a real chicken. You know what? And uh, I've never heard from that person again. Nor nor would I ever have a conversation with that person ever again. But that stunned me how somebody could make something up out of whole cloth, and even factually could be fact checked to be found to be wrong. That stunned me. So that tells you all you want to know, in my opinion, for the most part, about message boards and forums. I understand fans wanting to get together and chit-chat about their, their favorite team and things like that, and they can do that. I'm just – I'm not interested uh, in being a part of that. And, by the way, I did want to come clean on one thing. I have paid – I have paid for help from one person before. Uh, the young man down – it's like the, the Brady Bunch, the way it's on my screen here. But the, the person down here, which is Spencer – that I'm pointing at right now. He did me a huge while he was on vacation. I mean, this tells you the dedication this young man has because I worked on vacation every every year of my life. But uh, he put up an extra podcast that I produced back during that name, image, and likeness stuff. And so I I gave him $75 to a defer, uh, a little surprise deferment toward uh, a dinner he had with his family at night out on the Outer Banks because I thought he deserved it. So I have made that kind of... Uh, a payment to a young man who was helping me out. What an honor. Thank Spencer. you. Thank you, Spence. Again, get that, get that Venmo from Tim may save that receipt. Uh, Austin. So we, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast in the intro, we talked about what's happened at, at Buckeye scoop. And that has spurred the reason of why we're yeah. having this conversation about life on the beat. How would you describe sort of the reality of there are those of us who are out here publicly, right? We put our names on stuff. You stand behind everything you do, but there does exist. And mostly with Nevada Buck, but there are other people sometimes that has existed sort of anonymous people saying things that is not reporting, but sometimes people take it as reporting or it's presented as reporting. Has that created frustrations for you as a journalist in maybe trying to, it's not an even playing field. Some people can just say something and, it's on a board and it's anonymous. And then we're out here putting our name on it and standing behind it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a increasing frustration for me. I don't know if it will be alleviated with this specific case, uh, you know, being resolved or, you know, at least temporarily shuttered with this person um, as it relates to him specifically. And I'm a little bit like Tim. Uh, I know several people, you know, back from, 
the BSB days who would make reference to this person, but I never read the message boards and I had never heard who this person was or read a shred of any reporting or rumors that they had written until maybe, I don't know, a year or two ago. I, I don't subscribe to any of the other sites uh, and it never informed my reporting. And, and sometimes I would get asked these just bizarre off the wall questions and, I, and several people would be wanting to know it. And, I, and I'd have to respond to that. And I'd be like, I don't know where this is coming from. And Burma is far more in tune with that, uh, you know, part of the Ohio State fandom and, and the message board culture than I am and say, well, this, this is that person. And they're saying that and be like, man, that's weird because it's not based in any sort of reality. So that became more prevalent. And I had to pay more attention to it. And I would understand, you know, the longer I was here, where it would come from and why, you know, I'd have to respond to some of this stuff. But to your point, like you and I who are out here doing this and have a, you know, public accountability for that uh, and don't hedge anything that we say with what could happen or might happen or, or any other kind of fictional approach to it, you know, that, that just sucks. I mean, to be completely honest, because they, they'll move on to the next one as soon as that's wrong. And if that happened to us, then that would be, you know, you don't get three, four, five, six strikes when you're in our spot to be wrong. The one is almost going to be bad enough that will follow you around forever. So, you know, I know that that's come up before where, you know, they they claim that they would have broken some story. I'm thinking specifically of another sort of, you know, one that kind of propelled Letterman Row in terms of metrics with Chase Young and his suspension. And, you know, we were aware of that happening for a couple of days and what Ohio State was working on, but it, nothing had been determined specifically. And then whenever it was 730 Friday morning, so what, this is it. We got to go with this right now. Uh, it's coming to a head and a resolution. And there's what they had said the night before was some players facing some situation that we don't know exactly what it is and it might happen. This weekend, it might not happen. I'm like, oh, boy, we nailed it. Good. Point. Okay, great. Yeah, you said something was going to happen tomorrow. Um, I said Chase Young was suspended. That was the fact. Right. I don't know why you're trying to take credit for that. But, you know, that's a little bit off, off the rails to your question. But, you know, I, I get it that other people are able to have great opinions and insight into the team. And other people know people and they might actually have something that's legit. Um, but I, I can't let that guide, uh, our, my reporting. You can't let that affect you. I don't believe, and I know Tim doesn't, and I won't let Spencer, uh, give into that at any point either. That's great that that all exists, but once it gets to, you know, the level of there being something to report, that's the only time that I'm ever going to be involved. All right. Last thing here. That's a really good answer, Austin. And I know, um, listen, as we know, we said at the top, it's like, you know, the guys who are at Buckeye Scoop now, I mean, it's all, it's good, legit dudes, you know, like those are, those are real guys, Tony yeah. Gerdeman and Tom Orr and, and Mark Gilbert yeah. and people are talking about. So we want to make sure that's clear. And obviously everybody knows that's what and we're I talking about. And I think that Mark, Doug, I think Mark deserves a lot of credit for the steps that he's taking right here. Um, yep. I think that it, those guys should be viewed separately. And I know that might be tough. Maybe they need to change the name. I don't know. But I want to say that publicly because I don't know Mark as well as some of the – he doesn't come around the team on a day-to-day -day basis like Tom and, and Tony do or Kevin Noon now. Um, what he did was not easy because of how much uh, passion some of the followers have for the other people. I, I just – I think he deserves credit 
for what he's trying to do to salvage the rest of that site and bring that credibility for them. All right. Last thing. You guys have- I agree. I agree. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. No, I think, I think, I think everybody on the greet on the beat agrees with that. That's well said, Austin. Um, you guys have any good fights on the beat you want to share or anything? I mean, I have had a couple of screaming fights with people over the years. I I'm a little more chill than I used to be, but any good, like uh, any good screaming fights uh, you want to share with people? Cause people like fight stories. Doug, you and I have had a lot of uh, passionate conversations about the playoff. We had one where I like during the playoff in 14, I, you were like, I think Ohio State can still make it. I was like, shut up, Austin. They can't still make it. And then they they made it. And they won the national title. So I kind of. Well, there was one. Lost there was that another, one. There was another time um, that I remember from the 14 season, because when I was at ESPN and uh, they had six or seven people that would that were around the league. So I didn't uh, travel to every game. And you and Ari and I and Bill, I guess, was already there at in fourteen. Yep. You know, we're at the Michigan State game, and I was watching from home, and I would like say something about a replay, and I I was making the mistake of weighing in on somebody else's comments on Twitter, which you should never do. Don't tweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you and, and you were like, I don't remember if it was like when you got back or like he's not even here. Just shut up. And I was like. I, I'm still watching the game, but I'm like, I, I knew that I had, it's, you know, everybody, as you said, are in their own lane. And so that happened. Like, I know how frustrating that would be. I try not to comment on other people's reporting, whether that was, whether that's accurate or inaccurate information uh, for other people or, you know, somebody else's take. Like, I don't think that there was any value for me in doing that. And you said that, and I think you were right. Um, but I don't, you know, it didn't ever get to the point where we were going to, uh, you know, drop the gloves in the Woody. I don't, I don't know that I've got to that point on this beat. I definitely have uh, on the other beat that I was on. You did on hey. Tennessee. You were ready to drop gloves. Okay. Hey. That's good. 100%. I, co- I covered the Tyson, Tyson, uh, uh, Douglas fight when Douglas, uh, Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. And there was a fight in the front row of the media in the media interview area. After that fight, these two guys, this one guy was sort of a shield for Don King and they were trying to steal that fight. And this other guy was just basically telling him to shut up because he was asking these leading questions that were, you know, whatever. And next thing you know, they're on the floor, man, in the Tokyo Dome. I'm talking about a room of the Tokyo Dome going at it and stuff. I've never gotten that passionate except for a couple of times when a, a, there was a TV camera guy many, many years ago who was clearly told to follow me around in the post in for another station, not Channel 10, in the post-game uh, locker room, or locker room, what am I dreaming? In the post-game interview room, and uh, and and basically so he could get on video, whatever it was I was asking anybody, because I'd go flit here from there, you know. And uh, so I noticed this, and about the third, time, third game that was happening, I just kind of stood my ground because he would always come in and, like, stick an elbow in my ribs and kind of shove me out of the way even though I was already there. And I shoved him back. Next thing you know, we're shoving each other. This guy was about five foot five. It really looked like Mutt and Jeff, you know. And uh, uh, that's the only time I've ever come close to, like, just punching a guy. Uh, but otherwise, well, there was that guy who was guarding the locker room at Illinois one time. But that's another story uh, I won't get into right now. We could, You could save that for the Tim oh my gosh. podcast. This guy kept claiming he was a vet or whatever. And I didn't care if he was a doctor of optometry, you know. Get, get my catch my catch my joker. Oh, Austin, you guys are now associated with on three. What does that mean for everybody? I mean, it's it's you guys are doing your own thing, but it seems pretty cool to be associated with that growing national network. We'll finish with that. 
it's great that, um, you know, they approached us about uh, you know, being a foundational member of that while still being able to retain our identity, our brand, Letterman Road. We don't have to change the logo. We're not going to uh, you know, have that on three stuff on there. There's a way to get both the on three, you know, news desk coverage uh, of Ohio State plus all the recruiting stuff and also get Letterman Row. So anyone who signs up through our particular site will have access to that message board, which we all know and love. And it's the best one that exists, uh, you know, for $10 for a year. Um, and then, you know, the way that they structured is that there won't be a lot of crossover. Like you won't, when the uh, website up North uh, launches in November 1st, you won't be able to go like post on their message board and talk trash. So, uh, you know, I think that that's par partially by design to keep things a little more civil on there on those boards, but um most of our, we're still going to have some, some free coverage. A lot of the more analysis driven uh, berms recruiting updates and that daily stuff uh, will now be part of that uh, plus premium plan because um, we all need to make a living. Um, you know, if we had, our, if we had our dreams and our, and our uh, you know, we spent three years being free and I think we were doing a good job of that. We were, we'd made it that far and made it through COVID uh, with that model. But this one, uh, there's a lot more benefits I think that will come for people, especially, you know, not having ads, uh, the people that want the message boards, uh, national recruiting coverage, they'll get all that, but we're still there. And then uh, our YouTube channel still exists as well. If you want to sneak out that coverage. So there's still a good mix um, as we transition into this, this new model, which I said now it's the, the last frontier, I guess, for me that I haven't tried. Plus it's yeah. kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool being, you know, with, with, uh, with Lerman Road being affiliated with a national kind of organization uh -huh. now and stuff. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it has its, it has its good and its bad points, you know, especially, you know, it becoming a pay site, but you know, nothing's free for sure one way or the other. Uh, but uh, I think it's, I think it's really cool. Cause I mean, I think Lerman Road from the beginning has been about quality. That's where he's not joined it. I mean, Will Crawl kept twisting my arm and I finally did it, but uh, uh, I, I just think, you know, this is the way you've got to go anymore. You've, the bigger you are, kind of the better you are in terms of uh, your footprint. And, you know, when things – when Ohio State's contending for a national championship again, it's going to just explode, I think. Spencer, I'm joking. I'm joking. This is bad podcasting. <laughs> uh, sorry. It's supposed to be professional at this by now. Did I choke you up, Doug? Yeah, it is. Just being with Tim May makes me verklempt. <laughs> Spencer Holbrook, Tim May, Austin Ward, of course, we've referenced the great Jeremy Birmingham who's such an important part of your site. Best of luck to you guys. Thanks for joining us on here. If you guys listening to this have not checked out Letterman Row before, I'm sure most of you have. Get over there, give it a shot, listen to the Tim May podcast, everything else they do. Guys, thanks for taking time out of your day. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Joined by the man who brings hope to the Ohio State beat, Dan Hope of 11 warriors. Dan, thanks for being on here. Are you, are you still, how did you invent 11 warriors snap counts or how did that come to be? I mean, I don't want you to be one of these people who's a great journalist and does a lot of great things and is defined by snap counts, but I love, <laughs> I love snap counts. We use it all the time on Buckeye talk. Well, that, that was my idea. That was my uh, idea of it. When I got to uh, 11 warriors, uh, we had actually done something similar at uh, the outlet that I was at that covered Clemson. And so that was an idea that I had when I came in uh, to make that a weekly feature and I've kept doing it ever since. And I know it's been a big hit for you guys. I think 
Uh, it's been very popular bo- among both uh, media and fans alike. So uh, I'm glad to uh, be able to provide that resource. Indebted. We are indebted, Dan. <laughs> so that was a great idea by you. Uh, you came to 11 Warriors when? What year did you start? 2017. 2017. Okay. How would you describe what 11 Warriors does in terms of your strategy for covering Ohio State? Yeah, I think we really try to be as thorough as we can possibly be with covering everything that happens around, especially Ohio State football, you know, a little bit of Ohio State basketball, you know, other sports as uh, major things might happen. But, you know, football certainly uh, is where we spend most of our time. And yeah, I, I think we really, uh, you know, we really try to be comprehensive. We really try to be on top of everything that's happening, uh, you know, from a news standpoint, while we also try to write a lot of really good features. We try to have a lot of, uh, you know, innovative content, a lot of in- engaging content from people that people want to read. You know, we've got about uh, you know, we've got four full-time people and then we've got about 10 others who are, you know, contributors in some capacity. So I think it gives us a lot of uh, different array of voices. You know, we have someone like Ramsey Nasrallah, who's a great columnist who always has a unique perspective on things. And he's a very different writer than I am, where I've come from more of a traditional journalist background. But I think we have a wide array of voices uh, that, that people can uh, read from if they want to read about Ohio State. And, you know, I, I really do. I think we just try to we try to cover as many angles as possible. Uh, we try to provide uh, very professional coverage while also understanding that, you know, our, our audience is Ohio State fans. We're a site that was uh, built for o- Ohio State fans. So, you know, always keeping our audience in mind and, and keeping in mind what resonates with them and what people want to read about. I can remember, you know, when 11 Warriors got started and then when 11 Warriors made the decision to hire a beat writer, I think Kyle Rowland was the yep. first beat writer. And it was just like a fascinating idea of, hey, there's this fan site that's going to hire a beat writer now. And like and and it was 11 Warriors was right at the forefront of all that kind of stuff. And it was really uh, a smart move. You guys are really comprehensive. You grind as hard as anybody on the deep on the beat, Dan. Um, I mean, your work ethic and the way you get after it and nothing gets past you. Um, and then you do like you have a good spin on stuff. You're really good with like a lot of the stuff that sort of presents itself. I'm trying to think, I think it was something a couple of years ago that maybe I saw you do it. It's like when the when the stuff comes out about like the NFL players from Ohio State. And didn't you do like a full roster or something or like a full yep. offense and a full defense? And I think that post blew up and it's the kind of thing of like, well, I don't know. I mean, that information was out there, but you got on it quick and you got on it in the most interesting way to get on it and presented it to people in a way that other people weren't presenting it. And I was like, dang, man, hope got after it. But I think you're really good at being comprehensive and then finding the most interesting way to be comprehensive. Am I describing Dan Hope the right way? I think so. I I, I would like to be described that way. You know, I think I, I try to always uh, I try to be thorough in my coverage. I, I try to go in depth. You know, I think, I think the thing about this beat, I mean, you know, it as well as I do is there's so many different outlets. You know, you're talking to so many yep. on your day, so many people are writing about the same topics on a daily basis, but you, you've got to find ways to make your coverage stand out. And I think for me, you know, it's about, you know, writing, writing really well, writing good copy, and then, you know, finding those extra things, whether it's, you know, finding, you know, film to look at that can uh, make something more interesting, whether it's just finding, you know, different little stats or angles 
uh, that can that can make a story a little bit more interesting, that can make it stand out. That's something that I've always tried to do because on a, on a beat like this, there, there's so much competition. There's so many different people writing about the same the same topics. But for me, you know, the way to you know make your work stand out is to just be as comprehensive, be as as detailed and as informative as possible. All right. So who do you hate on the beat? <laughs> Man. So, so I, 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 how much do you care what other people do? How competitive are you about stuff? And how competitive do you think the beat is? Both maybe just from a professional standpoint, but maybe also personally. Yeah. I mean, I would say that personally, I, I don't think there's anybody on the beat, but I would say that I hate. I think that, you know, I, I, I try to, keep good relationships with everybody on the beat. I am not a uh, conflict grudge type of person. And so oh, I don't, oh, I love conflict and grudges. <laughs> That's one of the ways we're different, Dan. You're a better no. person than I. Oh, well, I think, you know, we're, we're all different. I think there's a wide range of personalities on this beat. And I think that's uh, one thing that makes it interesting. But yeah, I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, wants to, you know, have have beef with other outlets or anything like that. That's just not my style, but certainly, you know, I want to be on top of stuff. I, I, I want for 11 warriors to, I, I don't want someone to go to 11 warriors and go, man, why didn't 11 warriors cover this? Why isn't 11 warriors have this? I got to go to whatever outlet I'm a beat. You can insert there to go find that coverage. So I think for me, it's really important for, you know, us to, us to be on top of everything so that, you know, any, if you're an Ohio state fan and you want to read about Ohio state, you can go to 11 warriors and and you can find coverage about it. So I think, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. You know, I do pay attention to what everybody else does because I think that, you know, you, you want, you always want to know what the competition is doing. And so, you know, I, I probably look at, you know, most of the other Ohio state sites once every day, just to kind of see, okay, what, what are they writing? And, you know, I don't, you know, it's not to go and copy whatever people did, but it's more to just see like, okay, what are they thinking of? You know, sometimes you look and you go, Oh, they thought of the same exact idea. I did. Sometimes you look and you go, Oh, that was a good idea. I wish I, I wish I had thought of that, but I definitely, I definitely keep tabs on what everybody else is doing. And so that, you know, I can keep myself informed. I don't know, but I go into every day thinking, man, like I want to do this before this other outlet does it, but it's more just like, I want to make sure that our coverage stands on its own to where if you're an 11 warriors reader, the stories that you need to read about, about Ohio state, we're going to have them. Right. So you, you went to Ohio state, right? I did. So you were here as a student journalist. I remember you then. I'm sorry, I'm old. I'm just double-checking. I forget stuff. You were <laughs> yeah. here as a student journalist, and then you went and you were on the Clemson beat. And yep. now you have come back, and now you have been covering Ohio State since 2017. So you have two views of the Ohio State beat, and then you had an experience at Clemson. Is the Clemson beat like this? I mean, that's a big-time program. Ohio State and Clemson are two of the top four programs in the nation in the playoff era. How similar or different are the two beats? I think, you know, like how the programs operate, like in terms of interviews and media availability of that, I think that's pretty comparable. Like, I, I don't think there were any like massive differences there. I mean, certainly there's a difference between a Ryan Day press conference and a Davo Sweeney press conference, because anytime you walk into a Davo Sweeney press conference, 
he could go off on a 10 minute rant that could be about football or it could be about social issues or it could be about anything. Whereas Ryan day tends to be a little bit more buttoned up. So I think that is one uh, difference that, that stands out to me as well as the fact that the Ohio state beat is significantly bigger. I mean, like the Clemson, okay. the Clemson beat, I mean, there, there's, you know, probably, you know, off the top of my head, probably like five or six outlets that are like dedicated to covering it regularly. So there's a decent media friend. It's not, it's not small by any means, but Ohio State's is just so massive in terms of how big the beat is that, you know, it, it, it's definitely a larger presence here. I think covering Clemson, it was a little bit easier, at least when I was there, it was a little bit easier in terms of like, okay, if you want to get like a one-on-one with somebody, if you want you know, to kind of do your, your own things. If you want to do stuff that's separate from what everybody else does, it was a little bit easier to do that on the Clemson beat because it wasn't quite as big. Whereas I think on, on this, on this beat, there's so many different outlets that are, that are covering Ohio state on a daily basis, that there's just more saturation in terms of the market. Yeah, there is um, the Ohio State beat. I mean, Jerry Emig works with us the best that he can with such a large beat. And you, if you're really working something specific and you really want a guy and you really want to write a feature on a player who's maybe not a guy that you would normally get, they will do their best most of the time to work with you on that. But it's not a normal basis on a normal basis that you get one on ones. I do right. know there. I mean, there are places where I know people have said like, oh, the beat's not that big. When practice ends, you can just go grab anybody you want at the end of practice. This is probably pre-COVID, but that's never been the case in 17 years of being around Ohio State. It's never been show up at practice and grab guys. Was it to that extent ever at Clemson or was everything pretty organized? Because I do think one of the things that makes it hard at Ohio State is most of the quotes you're getting are in a group setting. There is not a ton that you're getting on your own. So if you have a, just, if it's not a gigantic special feature where you want a special one-on-one, if you just happen to have an interesting question on a daily basis, everybody's going to hear the question and the answer. What was that like on Clemson? Could you grab guys? Yeah. Clemson wasn't like, it wasn't where you could just go grab anybody you want after any practice or game. But uh, you know, one thing, at least when I was there and it could have changed in the years, but like, I know when I was there, like, for example, it was it was either Monday or Tuesdays. You'd have interviews of players, and then after the player was done, you you could basically go grab them anytime you want, and you could go talk to them for ten minutes on your own. And I know, you know, for for me as well, like a lot of times, like I was the outlet I was working for. We had like a weekly uh, magazine that we did, and we'd have like a cover story feature that I was usually the one who wrote. And a lot of times for those, like I would want something that was more exclusive, and typically especially if it was like, I remember one time I did one on the long snapper. I remember one time I did one on a player who had served in the military for like a military appreciation feature. Like, you know, those were guys who weren't typically meeting with the media. So it it was easier to like, just like get a one-on-one and sit down with a guy for half an hour and do that than it is here because it wasn't quite such a big media media swell. So it, it, it wasn't a free for all by any means. Um, you know, Clemson did have some restrictions too. Like one thing Clemson did is they did not let you talk to other than coordinators. They did not let you talk to assistant coaches ever during the season. Like they talked once before the preseason. And then that was the only, the only time they talked, uh, you know, typically with like freshmen and stuff too, like at least until they played, like it would be hard uh, to get those guys. But I know in, in terms of, you know, veteran players and all that, they were typically pretty accommodating. Um, you know, I remember, you know, 
a lot of times they'd ask like who, who, who we wanted for players each week in terms of requests. And they were usually pretty good at like fulfilling our requests. And then if you had a special request of, Hey, I want a guy, you know, one-on-one for something I'm working on. Uh, they were typically pretty accommodating in terms of making that happen. Dabo Sweeney is, I think, a person of interest. You look certain sometimes like at Bill Belichick or Nick Saban press conferences, and, and I've never been in, in either, but I wonder sometimes if like journalists are like nervous in those press conferences because you never know when Saban or Belichick might be like, oh, I was, I'm not answering that. I'm not, you know, and I've never had a coach in my time covering Ohio State who would you know, take a question and make you feel like you were an idiot for asking it, right? Trestle wasn't like that. Trestle would obfuscate, but he wouldn't do that. Luke Fickle didn't do that. Urban didn't do that. Ryan Day doesn't do that. What's Dabo like? Like what's Dabo? Like you said, he'll, he seems like sometimes he's very engaged. Like he'll give a 15 minute answer about something he really cares about. What was like the general vibe for like general questions with Dabo Were people like joking around with him? Would he be on edge sometimes? What, what's he like? Yeah, I liked covering Davo because you knew you were always going to get something. Like there's always going to be some quote that came out of left field that, that was that was going to be something, you know, because, you know, it, it sometimes it would be something like, oh, why the heck did he say that? Other times it would just be something goofy. But you always knew like you were going to get something unique when you went in there each day for a press conference. So I enjoyed that. You know, most of the time he, he was very pleasant at the media making jokes. There were times that if, if you asked him a question he didn't like, but he would go on a long rant, like the one I vividly remember, I think it was my first year And this, this, the first year that I covered Clemson was the first year they went to the national championship game. They lost that year, but during the season, I think it was after they lost a game, there was still the vibe of uh, quote unquote Clemsoning. And I remember, I think it was David Hale from ESPN asked him about Clemsoning. Uh, I don't remember if it was after a game or during a weekly press conference. And he went on like a five minute rant about you know, Clemsoning. We're talking about Clemsoning. And so you definitely, if you asked him something he really didn't like, he, he could, he could go off on you, but most of the time he, he was easy going to work with. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. You don't have to answer this, but I think it's a peek at stuff. What's your, like what's a general work day during the season for you? And I think this applies to a lot of people on the beat. I mean, you're not punching eight hours, right? I no. mean, you're, you're, you're working eight, 10, 12 hour days a lot of the time, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I just think back uh Tuesday, like going to the press conference. So, you know, we go to the press conference, it, it's at noon. So like, I think I probably did a couple things in the morning uh, before we go to the press conference. Then after the press conference, I, I'm typically, going and writing at least one thing then we we do our weekly podcast on wednesdays so then after i write then we go and we go record our podcast then i come home and i have to edit the podcast and i have to put it all all together and then sometimes i'm writing another thing for the next day too so you know typically you know i i I go in for that presser and a lot of times i'll be working until you know 11 or midnight on on that tuesday night and really the only times I'm even taking a break there is to eat. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of long days. I mean, Saturdays of course are, are always long days in terms of, you know, I'm typically getting to the press box three hours before a game. I'm typically not leaving until they kick us out. And then yep. I, a lot of times I'm still coming home and I still have another thing to write. So definitely during the season uh, there, there's a lot of long days. You know, I think especially Tuesdays with those, those press conference days and 
Saturdays with the football games. Those are probably two of the longest days. And, you know, even Sundays, like, you know, doing the snap counts for Monday, putting all that together, like Sundays can be long days, just trying to debrief from the game and then, and then do everything. So I'd say for me, like during the season, if it's a non road game, Friday is usually my easiest day. Like usually yeah. I've done most of what I need to do. And like, usually I can take most of a day Friday off. Obviously if it's a road game, that's a travel day, but usually Friday is like my easy day during the season, but every other day I've always got several things to do uh, during a game week. Not, not to toot my own horn, but I did, I would just like to point out that I do believe at one point I did give you $5 for doing the snap count. <laughs> you did. Because- you did. I'm so appreciative and I've used it so much. I was like, I got to, I got to give this guy a fiver. He can go to McDonald's and get a happy meal. Um, <laughs> last thing, Dan, what's the worst thing you've ever heard anyone on the beat say about me? Oh man. See, it's too, I, the list is too long. The I list know. Is too That's what I'm long. trying to think. I'm trying to ab- absorb all the different things that, that I've, that I've heard about you over the years. Man, that's that's a tough one. See, I don't I don't have anything that anyone says bad about Dan Hope. Dan Hope respected, <laughs> respected for getting after it, res- respected for grinding his butt off, respected for being a great journalist. Uh, Dan, you've certainly like like I think we're talking like that. People have different lanes. People sort of figure out it's it's a great big beat, but there's different ways to cover it. But I know you are among the most respected guys out there for the way you get after it and the great content you put out. So I would direct anyone to eleven to elevenwarriors.com to read Dan and all his colleagues. Again, Ramsey is a great writer and he spins those once a week. That is a unique take that nobody else is putting out there. Lots of great stuff at 11 Warriors. Listen to their podcast and consume their content. So Dan, thanks for taking a little time out of your day here on Buckeye Talk. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. All right, joined by the guys from Bucknuts now on Buckeye Talk, Steve Hellwagon, Dave Biddle, Pat Murphy. Great crew covering the Buckeyes. Steve Hellwagon, you are among the most senior. How many years now, Stevie? Uh, full-time since 1995 on football and uh, worked on it part-time as a student all the way back to 1988. So however you want to figure that, uh, 27 years full-time on football. It's a lot of time, Stephen. Dave, you've been, we were just talking, you're pretty long yourself, my friend. Yes, Doug. Hey, thanks for having us, first of all. Um, yeah, this is my 20th year on the beat, 2002. Um, it was my first year on the beat. Good first year to be on the beat. They won the national title that year. Every practice was open in preseason camp. Just talked to Trestle, like, as he's walking off the field for practice every day. Yeah, so this is my 20th year on the beat, and uh, it's been a wild ride. Unbelievable. And, Pat, how long for you now? Seven years, so Seven not years. quite as long as these guys. Someday, Pat, someday yeah. you too will be the Steve Hellwagon of the Ohio State. Uh, beat. Well, there was a day when out. there was a day when I was reaching out to you, Doug, for advice and things like that when I was still trying to get into it. So I'm happy with the seven years. I, I'm not complaining at all. And despite that advice, you made it. <laughs> yeah, you so did, far. Even though. Uh, so I, what we're doing, I mean, we're just talking a lot about like how people go about it here. Dave, how would you sort of describe sort of what Bucknuts tries to do in covering Ohio State? I mean, you guys have a lot of things going on. What's like the mission statement? Just to give the fans what they want. and But to be honest, though, you don't want to like blow smoke up their rear ends. It's a family show. So you want to give the fans what they want, but also be real with them. Give them real analysis. You know, be you know, the, the voice of reason, you know, where there's all this noise going on, everybody's overreacting to everything. And we overreact to stuff too, but you want to be the voice of reason. You want to tell them the real deal and you want to give them what they overall 
want to hear from the Buckeyes, you know, not just what they want to hear as far as they're going to be great, but like they want to hear from the coaches. They want to hear from the players. They want to see videos. They want to like listen to podcasts. So a little bit of everything. And, but it's just about just being real to our customers. Steve, you've, you've done it for a long time. How different is it? I mean, obviously, I mean, from when you first started, but how would you describe the changes in, in how people go about covering this team and the access that you get to cover them? Well, yeah, I started out on the student newspaper and then was a daily newspaper in and around Columbus and then Buckeye Sports Bulletin, the weekly newspaper. And we didn't even really have a website that was functional to like 1997 or 98. So it's become a 24 hour news cycle. And if anything happens, a story must be published immediately. And that leads you to some real dilemmas sometimes, because do you want to put something out there that is 100% factual, or do you want to put something out there that seems to be as close to factual as you can get it and not appear that you've been beaten on a story, which is just, you know, the toughest thing in the world. So a lot of times you're, you're fighting really hard to get confirmation on something so that you don't have to use the information that was published by cleveland.com or 11 warriors or whoever else that you want your own story. So it, it is a very uh, difficult dilemma sometimes, but I would say that that's the thing you're on call 24 seven now, uh, literally in addition to the name of our company or the network at least. And that has changed immensely that one of us typically needs to be close to a computer. It seems to be at all times because something could happen at any minute. Like, you know, we're as we're taping this, a guy went into the transfer portal, yep. you know, earlier today, Dallas Gantt. So that was something that needed to be discussed and published and, and everything else. So, yeah, it, it that's the thing. It's an, it's an immediate news cycle. And if you're not up to date with the news, then you look like you're out of step and and, and you can't have that. You got it's a competition every day on every story. So uh, to give people the, the, the best coverage and uh, the, the best insight into what's going on. Pat, you're kind of like an in-betweener, I think, on the beat, that you've done it for a long time now, but there's a couple, you know, the, like Dave and Steve and I, we've been around a long time. Tim May, people have been doing it for decades. And then, you know, there's a, a crop of, of newer people. What was it like for you, Pat, as you sort of maybe observed this beat outside of it, as you were, you know, getting into the beat, did you think everybody was a jerk? Did you think, why am I doing this? Did you think I'm so excited to work at Bucknuts someday? How, how did you approach it as a young journalist? I was, I was at first, a lot of the people, you, you guys all included, you were guys I followed on Twitter and read your stuff. Um, you know, you were guys that I knew by name uh, more than as, as individuals. And so getting to know the people was, was part of my process originally just to a have relationships, but also to learn from, from all of you. Um, you know, the, my relationship with Dave, which developed during my time, both interning and full-time at the ozone was, was got me to, to buck nuts. So um, it was, it was interesting having to having known of you guys and, and followed you on Twitter and, and read your stuff and then getting to know you guys personally and now working close with Dave and Steve, but, you know, I've, we all kind of work together in, in some sense when we're around at interviews and things like that. So um, no, I, I definitely don't think the beat has many jerks or anything like that. I think it's a good group of guys. And I think that was, you know, I think you could tell that pretty early on through the process. Um, 
now things can, things can get testy at times and things like that. And, you know, there's, there's certainly uh, beat wars, so to speak from between different sites at points. But I think for the most part, I've, you know, as I've observed it, everyone's pretty friendly. Everyone gets along. How about you, Biddle? You got any beefs? <laughs> I love everybody. I don't, I don't know. I mean, especially given recent events, I can't think of anybody on the beat that I don't love. Well, how would you describe the competition, though, Dave? Right. I mean, like we're all trying to do our own thing. And I do think it's important. And we made this point a lot as we've been doing this on Buckeye Talk is like people go about it different ways and we have different audiences and they want different things. And and I think certain kinds of fans, you know, find different things if it's more long stories, if it's more recruiting, if it's more message boards, if it's more videos, if it's more podcasts, whatever, there's room for everybody. But how do you view the competition, Dave? Do you think it is pretty fierce at times or what do you think? I do, Doug. I think it's immensely fierce. I feel like we would need to like crunch the numbers here. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the largest beat in American sports. You look at the NFL, how popular the NFL is. I think Ohio State's beat might be the biggest group of beat writers and just media in general following a team. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's, and it's fun. It's fun. Crazy. It's, I, I call it the ultimate reality show. It really is. I mean, there's a, we're, we're covering high level football, high level coaches, high level players, and all of the drama that goes along with it, with the team, with the beat. And you're right, Doug. I mean, the competition is, is out of this world. There's a lot of really good football programs around this country. I look at their, like, you know, kind of the people that cover them, they might have one or two websites that are really active maybe a newspaper three. I mean, I, we, what there's like, what, like 10, at least like really, really good, like companies that follow the Buckeyes and maybe more than that. Um, and I'm not even talking about TV. I'm just talking about print website and newspaper. So yeah, it's like nothing else in the country. And maybe I'm forgetting about something. Maybe the New York Yankees. I don't know. We would have to crunch the numbers there. You think maybe something in New York might be bigger. I bet you there's more people on this beat than the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, which is crazy. And I would bet we have more people on the beat than the New York Yankees, like I just said. It's wild. The competition is fierce for sure. Steve, how did it get this way? Because you've seen this, Steve, from your perspective of all the sites that have come along over the years. Is it just because there are that many passionate Ohio State fans that the fan base is so big and so into it? What do you think? And what did you think as this happened? Because there, I'm sure there were times you're like, man, well, there comes this website. There comes this website. What's your view been of that? Yeah, it's been crazy over the last 25 years. As I said, Buckeye Sports Bulletin was always kind of the forerunner of fan site or fan coverage as a newspaper on a weekly basis back to the 80s and 90s. And we transitioned slowly, very slowly for that company to the Internet and eventually became part of the Rivals Network in the early 2000s. And, you know, all these networks and sites have kind of interwoven each other. But going back to the late 90s on the Internet, the dispatch never really embraced it. And and I don't even know if they ever will. To be honest with you, in the year 2021, we're still sitting here. They had a sports editor who just never embraced the Internet coverage. And that kind of opened the door for a lot of us, I think, to kind of walk through and dominate a a position in this market that was wide open. And early on, it was us in the Ozone. Uh, I left Buckeye Sports Bulletin and went to Bucknuts. And then so it's Bucknuts, the Ozone, and Buckeye Sports Bulletin. And then over the years, there have been some other pop-ups. You know, uh, Rivals had a site, Scout had a site. 
uh, 11 Warriors came on maybe in 2010. Uh, Letterman Row later on. Uh, Buckeye Scoop now, obviously. Uh, those are probably some of the main ones. Uh, the SI site has kind of popped up here lately as well. So uh, I apologize if I've missed anybody. I know your company, Doug, has transitioned a lot of its coverage to Cleveland.com and the internet. So, yep. I mean, I think you guys are a world ahead of the Columbus Dispatch in that regard that that you put your eggs into that basket. And I think the Dispatch, with their early deadline now for the newspapers, had to kind of kicking and screaming, put more of their coverage on the internet. But uh, at any rate, um, I think it's market driven. I think that if you couldn't get paid by subscriptions or advertisements to do this type of coverage, you couldn't afford to just come out to practice and to travel to Rutgers and, you know, do all this stuff on your own. There's no way you could do it. So it's market driven. There are eyeballs out there. There are people that want to read it and hear about it. And, uh, so I just think that uh, there's a place for all these different people that uh, have these voices at this point. Pat, when there are as many outlets as there are, how, how would you describe how you go about trying to do your job? Because, listen, there's a lot of times we all write kind of the same thing. I mean, it's like, well, guess what? We're all writing about C.J. Stroud. We're all writing about Kerry Combs, of, of course. But there are other times where it's like, well, you try to do something here, do something there. How do you sort of go about it uh, on, a, on a weekly basis, Pat? on a beat that's this large? That was one of the big questions I kind of faced when I came aboard. Um, you know, they wanted me to do a lot of shorter stuff, social media stuff, but I still wanted to be a, you know, a, a real writer. And I think the message boards have kind of dictated some of that. Uh, I know we talk sometimes about in our, our kind of inner, uh, inner chats about stuff that happens, you know, questions that people have on our message boards and kind of gear the writing towards that. Um, hmm. But that usually that still ends up being a lot of the same stuff that that everyone ends up writing. So, you know, the recruiting part is huge for that because you can go out and you can talk to those guys and get your own story. Uh, I saw a lot of that this summer helping Bill with uh, Bill Curlick with some of the camps because they were so congested. Just what what that opened up. Um, and, I, and I wish on a day to day beat level, we could get more one on ones with guys and things like that. Uh, I think a lot of it's just trying to trying to find, you know, that that answer and spinning it your way, whether it's from Ryan Day's press conference or from one of the guys we talked to, uh, you know, if you can find a different angle a little bit. And I think that's something you do really well, Doug, uh, is, is is finding that different angle and, and maybe not writing exactly the same thing that everyone else wrote. Or, you know, Steve does a lot of columns based on the the quotes we get and, and how guys answered, which I think. You know, putting that opinion in there, his opinion may be different than your opinion, which may be different than Austin Ward's opinion. And so that that's something that can be a little different, too. But it is tough. And, you know, to Dave's point about just how big this beat is, I've talked to people that cover, you know, other sports, other beats. It's it's a whole different game. We were talking before I do some stuff covering the crew. It's it's so easy to come up with your own content because there's two there's, you know, massive report in the dispatch. And so it, it was definitely a transition when when I got on this beat and trying to figure out how to keep people interested, especially at the Ozone, which didn't have the big following that Bucknuts had. We are doing this podcast because of what has happened at Buckeye Scoop. And at the beginning of, of the podcast, I went through and, and explained all this stuff. So the people listening have the basis of that. We wrote a news story about it at cleveland.com. We've laid all that out. A lot of that is sort of springing up from message boards and message boards culture, right? Whatever that means. 
you guys have very active message boards with very passionate fans. What, how, how important are message boards to Bucknuts, Dave? And what do you generally think sort of of the role of message boards within the Ohio State football community and how that fits into coverage of the team? Message boards are very important. The fans love it. Um, it gives us headaches because we have to police that 24-7. It's, um, you know, and you have to ban people, which is never fun because they're, they're going to get mad. They'll, they'll say free speech. You know, it, then you have to explain what free speech means. Government's not coming at you. Just you can't post on Bucknuts now for a week because you said the wrong things. You can't mother F people and you know, threaten bodily harm on people. We're going to give you a timeout. So, Doug, it's, it's, it's good and bad. I always say Ohio State has the best fans in the world and the worst fans in the world. Um, and we see that on message boards. And, you know, Saturday nights after a game, people are consuming some adult beverages. Things get ratcheted up. You see it on the weekends. It gets worse and worse. So, and there's some terrible takes on there. But I think people, as long as they're being civil, can have some terrible takes. Everybody has an opinion. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it is a big part of our business. Message boards are a huge part. And what I like about our particular company is like people can, it's not just the Ohio State board. It's not just the Ohio State people. You can get on like any other team's board and read what they're saying. You can't necessarily post on their board depending on their rules, but there's like a network on 24-7 where you can, you know, check out what all of the other like people are saying, fans, the writers on all the other sites, and perhaps you can interact with them too, depending on the rules. So yeah, it's, it's a huge part of our business. Is it a hassle for us? Yes, it is. We have moderators, but uh, we have to always keep a close eye on that. And it's gotten worse, man. It's gotten worse. So it's always was toxic. It's got, I don't even know what the right word for it now is like toxic, like ludicrous speed. Like, I, I don't know, but um, it's gotten worse, like exponentially over like, just like the last like three years. And it's always been toxic. So, but I still like the message boards. I love hearing from the fans and it's a huge part of our business. Yeah, we, we've, we don't have message boards, but we have this tech subscription service now. And it's opened my eyes because it really informs your coverage. Because as, as Pat, as you were saying, it's like sometimes it's like, what I should write about? It's like, well, what do fans, what are they talking about? What do they want to know about right now? And I do think sometimes our lens, I think we've all been around most of the time we have an idea of it. But sometimes you get that feedback. It's like, man, I don't, I don't know that I would have been writing about that. But you're concerned about it. Let me take a question to a news conference and try to figure it out. So I, I, the role of that, we never had message boards at cleveland.com. And sometimes I was like, as much as you're saying it's a headache, and I understand that it would be sometimes, I always thought like, man, I wish, I wish we did, right? And so now we have this thing. But it really is an eye into the fan base that I think is really valuable. I, also, I, I have a couple more questions. I just want to ask this real quick, Dave. How did it come to be that you asked the first questions at every news conference now? Because you come out guns blazing – Tuesday, you've got what's up with the turf, and then what was the other thing you asked? You asked, oh, was it Matt Defense. Barnes? Stuff? Why is why is Matt Barnes on the field and Combs yes. in the box? I don't get that. What you Wait think? Combs, Combs by his own admission, Doug. You know this. Combs by his own admission says, "I'm not the tactician. I'm not the technician." He used both words. I'm not the tactician. I'm not the technician. This is before all the stuff hit the fan. He was like, you know, Matt Barnes is the technician. He's the tactician. I'm the guy that gets the guys fired up. Yeah. So now you've been demoted basically to DB coach. Matt Barnes is the defensive coordinator. Right. Titles be damned. Now you have Matt Barnes on the field and Kerry comes in the box. I, I don't get it. Jeff Halfley, as I you know, said to Coach Day, and I really, I think Ryan Day does a great job overall. I think he's missing the boat on this one. I think Kerry Combs should be on the field. Matt Barnes, if he's calling the defense, should be in the box, along with Paul Rhodes, who I know has more of a say. 
How did I get to ask the first question? Probably the same way you get to ask the last question, right? Like we maybe we said something to Jerry Emig at one point. No, usually for by the way, if I went to Jerry and said that, it's like forget you. I won't even call on you. I just try to raise my hand really quick and I'm very aggressive. Yeah, so I, and now it's kind front of center. like it's turned into like a pseudo tradition now. So yeah. I get the first question, you get the last question. And I hate to I hate to admit this because I really think out my questions. You have the best questions on the beat, my friend. Doug, you have the best. This is it's like a parade. Dave is at the front of the parade. He's like with the big stick and like marching. And I'm in the back sweeping up the poop. I'm the last Uh, guy. I hope I'm not not Ohio State's drum major who face planted at the Oregon (laughs) game. Is that not an ominous sign? Oh, it's not a great sign. That was not not a good omen for that day. Steve, the the I'm always curious. um, The beat is certainly a different place after a loss. And they just don't happen that much in the regular season. How would you describe the difference or like the way the mood shifts? You know, you, you were asking right after the Oregon game, you were asking about like, why are the defensive ends like crashing in? It doesn't look like they're letting these guys get out on the edge. Like it's just a different world, right? That they usually you win and you go in. It's like, Oh, everybody's so great. How would you describe the difference between Ohio state after win and Ohio state after a loss in terms of asking questions and covering them? Well, the issue is the fan base at Ohio state is so intelligent and they've seen so much football that you can't show them something that is not the genuine article and they're going to accept it. When you allow Oregon to score on essentially the same play three different times, and on the third one, the guy basically walked around the left end and into the end zone without anybody touching him or the blocker who was in front of him, that is complete malfeasance by the defensive staff and the defensive players put the blame wherever it was that something was completely wrong. They didn't adjust. They didn't have a scheme ready for that, and that's not acceptable. When you're playing in front of 100,000 people, you have a $200 million budget a year. The fans have put up most of that money, either through tickets or sponsorships or uh, you know fundraising or whatever. There's an expectation that you have a team that competes for the Big Ten championship every year and to go to the playoff every year. That is the expectation at Ohio State right now. It's been this way for about 20 years since the day Jim Trestle got there and turned the thing on its ear and turned it around after a couple lean years under John Cooper that Ohio State's in the national championship hunt every year. Well, the defense they put on the field against Oregon was not championship caliber, and definitely some questions need to be asked because Joe and or Ben and Becky Buckeye fan out in Bexley wanted the answers. They wanted to know what the heck just, what did I just see? It's not sound football. And that's never going to be acceptable at Ohio state. Not when these people are invested to the point that they are invested with their time, their energy and their money, not going to be acceptable. So those questions had to be asked and you ask them in, in the, in the politest, most matter of fact kind of way that, you know, this, this just doesn't look or feel right. What happened here? That's an important, I hope people realize that, that the people who do this try to keep that in mind, but that you've got to have that fan in your head. Like not at, like you can't put a hundred thousand people in the post-game press conference, but you ask the questions that you think they would want to ask. And I think Steve, you did that as well as anybody in trying to funnel that. Listen, this is what people want to know. And I'm going to bring that to the coaches and the players. Uh, Pat, we're in a world of name, image, and likeness. We're in a world where, you know, my gosh, the internet changes every day. I worry sometimes about 
teams pulling access back. I think Ohio State does a pretty good job with the beat this large of giving us access. We get to talk to assistant coaches during the year, which a lot of places don't allow that. We do have a mix of players. Usually if you really, really want a guy for a feature or something, a lot of times I'll try to make that happen. But do you have any, I don't know if fears is the right word, concerns possibly or how you think, you know, coverage of college football teams might shake out in the next decade? Or do you think we're in a pretty good spot and we'll stay there? I think we're in a good spot, but I mean, you just look at Ohio State's website, you know, OhioStateBuckeyes.com and the stuff that they've started to do the last few years in terms of covering their own team, more or less, you know, they've got all sorts of stuff on there that they didn't used to do. There's not stories necessarily throughout the week, but they're posting the Ryan Day press conference video. They're posting pictures from the games, you know, all stuff that, that the media outlets used to kind of handle. And so, you know, if Ohio State wanted to, they have an army of people down there and other programs, the same thing, they could run their own news department and, you know, handle it that way. So I don't think I'm worried about that. I think Ohio state has enough on its hands and and appreciates what we do. And I think most college football programs are probably in the same place, but I do think that, that there is, you know, that, that uh, possibility at some point in time, if, if a school ever decided, look, we want to spin the narrative the way we want it to be. And we're going to cut off, more access and, and we'll put out the interviews and we'll ask the questions and things like that. Um, I hope we never get to that world because I think that's unfair to not only us as, as journalists, but the fans as well. You know, I think when we ask tough questions, there's a reason for that. And, you know, at Ohio state, you're not going to necessarily do that if you're employed by the, the university or, or the athletic department. So um, I don't think it's a fear. I think we're going to be fine, but I see your point and, and the internet has certainly changed things. And, athletic departments have kind of caught on to that over the years and, and realized that they can too kind of run their own websites or, you know, what, whatever it may be and their apps and things like that, that we're having now. And, and that, you know, means people don't have to come to us as much. They can watch the press conferences themselves and things like that. So we have to adjust. Ohio state also adjusted. And, you know, then you just kind of readjust. Michigan has really pulled back at times over the years and done some stuff where it's like, Hey, we're not making people available, but here's an interview that you can yeah. watch. And like, that kind of thing makes me really nervous. Ohio state is not down that road and I, uh, yet, and I, and I don't have an expectation that they will, but I'm appreciative of that fact that I don't want to, I don't want to watch somebody talk for 11 minutes because they got asked questions by somebody in the athletic department. I have no interest in that. And I think I appreciate that Ohio state has not done that to us. All right. You guys do a lot of interesting stuff. You write great stories. You have, active message boards. You have comprehensive coverage of Ohio State. You have, of course, you have the association with 24-7, which provides that national view. But Dave, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we came on. The Bucknuts Morning 5, I think, is a really interesting niche. Not niche, but it's like just the length of it, that you have this morning podcast five days a week. You do it three of those five days. And at Buckeye Talk, we have a hard time keeping it under an hour a lot of the time. And sometimes people just want a nice, hitting bit of analysis and then they can get on with their day. How did you come to develop Bucknuts Morning 5? And how how do you think that factors into your coverage at this point? Yeah, initially, Doug, it was supposed to just be literally like a five-minute show, roughly a five-minute show, just like get on like whatever the uh, hot topics are and get out in five minutes. Um, because after doing some research, we determined that that's basically, you know, like kind of the, you know, the the time span, the the attention span of a lot of people. So that was the initial uh, plan, but now we've gone to like, usually the average shows now 15 minutes, 20 minutes. We just try and hit the main topics, give analysis, give opinions, and then get out in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, sometimes we'll go as, as long as 25 minutes, but I think it's a good mix for Buckeye fans. So they can get something like that 
because I will get, just like you're saying, I, I will get comments like, well, why can't you guys do it for like 90 minutes? Like Buckeye Talk Pod, you know? So, um, you know, some people love it just like you get in and out in 15 minutes. Some people wanted to build a little bit longer, but we like doing it every day, every morning. People like starting their day with the podcast and we just try and you know, just hit on the top, the top uh, topics and, uh, and just go from there. But uh, I think there's room for both. I think, and we do some long form podcasts, not very many. We do some, um, but I think there's definitely room for both. I like what you do and I like what we do, but we started it in 2012. Before that, I don't know if you remember, we did podcasts before we even knew what podcasts were. We called it front row radio. I've had, I remember having yeah. you on as a guest a couple yeah. of times and we, and that was long form. That was more like an hour long. We called it front row radio, but it was, it was really a podcast. It was internet radio. So um, so yeah, I think everybody does it different, but I think having that, that hard hitting morning show where you hit on all the hot topics for Ohio state football fans seem to like that. And I know they love your pod as well. To be fair, most Buckeye talks are only 15 minutes of information analysis and the other hours just be doing funny voices. So like the, <laughs> you know, Buck dust morning five cuts right to the chase. Um, Dave Biddle, Steve Hellwagon, Pat Murphy. They do a great job covering the Buckeyes at Bucknuts with the two, four, the 24 seven association a great way uh, to get your Ohio State information. I would direct anybody there. And fellas, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us here on Buckeye Talk. Yep, Thanks, glad you really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having us on. All right. So thanks to everyone who has joined us in this two-part Buckeye Talk beat extravaganza. Um, grateful for their time. And certainly we hope you guys realize that there are lots of great outlets covering Ohio State, not just the ones we talk to, but other ones as well. And uh, we're appreciative that you decide to make Buckeye Talk one of the ways in which you consume information about Ohio State. We have a texture survey, and I want to talk about it. And I did find this interesting. I, of course, screwed up part of the survey because, I mean, I'm Doug. How would I not screw up part of the survey with our tech subscribers? If you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. But one of the things, Nathan and Stephen, that I was really interested in is sort of what people value the most when they are deciding where they are going to consume their Ohio State news. And so we have to remember, this is our audience. This is our tech subscription audience that has chosen our tech subscription as one of the ways in which they're going to consume Ohio State content. So if they didn't like what we do, they wouldn't subscribe. So I think their, their, their likes are going to trend more towards what we happen to do, right? It's not coincidental. It's fundamental. So if you did this at a site that does more on message boards or um, writes even more stories than we do or you know, covers certain aspects of the team even more than we do or whatever, does more video. I mean, we do everything. We have recruiting coverage. We have texts. We have YouTube videos. We have this podcast, we have written stories, well-written, well-reported stories every day. So we do try to do everything, but let's keep this in mind. These were the six things that I asked people to rank in order. And when I sent it out the first time I did it was you could only pick one. I forgot to do the rank thing. So guys, here are the six things I said people could rank that here's the question. Rank these things in order that most draw you to the different outlets that cover Ohio State. Here are the things. Recruiting coverage and information. Written team stories, meshes boards slash texts, which to me is sort of like conveying insider info in small bits that's not stories, right? However you want to do that. 
the personalities of the writers slash podcasters at the sites, podcasts, and how the site looks slash the ease of use of the site. Nathan, what do you think was the number one thing that our tech subscriber audience said they value the most? I think our tech subscribers said the uh, personalities. Stephen, what do you think? I would agree with that. Personalities. So this crosses over a little bit because it's like, I do think we express our personalities in the videos. We can express our personalities in the stories, but the number one, the number one way that we express our personalities is on the podcasts, right? So mm-hmm. podcasts one, personalities was second, but it's almost kind of the same thing. Yeah. And they were far ahead of anything else. So I don't know that this applies to all Ohio State fans, but it applies to our audience. Podcasts 2.08, personalities 2.32, recruiting coverage and info 3.70, written team stories 3.75, message board slash text 4.41, how the site looks, ease of use, 4.74. And we did get some comments that is like, I don't really care about ease of use, but frankly, cleveland.com ain't so great. Which we, listen, we have a corporate template and it's changed over time. I do think it's evolved, it's gotten better. For us, one of the things that has frustrated me over time, and we've never, we've tried to do it more now, but like you can't just go to like buckeyetalk.com and only get a thing that's just Ohio State coverage. You have to go to cleveland.com slash buckeyetalk or cleveland.com slash OSU. And we are part of a much larger website. We're a, we're a limb. But if you are just Bucknuts, or you are just 11 Warriors, or you are just Letterman Row, then everything you do is about presenting your Ohio State content in the most flattering way possible, right? So it's hard for us to compete with that. I understand why we do it the way we do. But I also understand that like, I think our presentation on our website is not as flattering as some of these other places that only do Ohio state. And that's just the way it is. We also cover, you know, your community in Cleveland, politics in Ohio features, right. Pop culture, a lot of other really interesting things that a sports only site doesn't give you. So there's a give and a take with that. Do you think, what do you think of the idea, Nathan, that podcasts, we get it. We're Buckeye talk. We brand everything we do now as Buckeye talk, but do you think podcasts in general are more important to beat coverage across the board, not just at a place where we have, you know, funny voices and yelling at each other and food brackets and surveys and Buckeye retalkables and Buckeye fly effect and all the things that we do. Do you think in general, they're more important? I do because I think they are, well, you say, are they more, are you saying, are they more important uh, chronologically or more important more important than they used to be. Yes, Not yes, yes, more yes. important than writing stories necessarily, but more important to the coverage of a team than they were five years ago. Yes, I, I do agree with that. Uh, partially just because the technology is advanced to make it so accessible for everybody, but also because I think what we've understood now is that this is the way people do consume things. That if you want to read an article you can't read an article while you're driving. You can't read an mm-hmm. article while you're running or mowing the lawn or any of the other things that we do. Um, I don't, I mow the lawn more than I run as you all can <laughs> probably guess. Fuck I talk, <laughs> but, but, but it's it, so more than that though, more than that being a vessel of, of content. I think it also, as we've proven on this show or this, this podcast many times, you know, sometimes it'll be my turn to write a story about, 
thing be? But when we come and talk about it on the podcast, we all would have had a different perspective in how we might have written that story for Cleveland.com. Mm-hmm. And we t- talk about all different aspects of that on the podcast. And I think people get an even more well-rounded uh perspective on that topic about Ohio State football or basketball or the world at large or Fritos or whatever it is we're talking about at that given moment than if it then if they're just reading the one article that somebody wrote. So I think that's been I think the biggest advantage is also giving people just a broader understanding of things because we all get to talk about it. Sometimes we'll write something and then we'll podcast about it, but my thing's already been published and maybe I would have written it differently if we had podcasted first. Because you guys, in the way your perspective is, informs m- what I'm looking at and what I'm thinking about something. I think there's also this element of when you listen to podcasts, you kind of get to know the people a little bit. And you, you I mean, you're kind of fans of these people. Obviously, Doug, you've probably got the biggest personality of the three of us just because you've been doing this the longest and you're a little crazy. But that's another story. And for mean, another day. And mean. I'm the meanest. Yeah, the, yeah fair. Mean. But it, it's just more of, I think, your personality comes out in your writing, too, because it's not like we just go, this happened, this happened, this happened. We do put analysis into pretty much 95% of the things we write here. But your personality can come out a little bit more when you're just having a conversation over some microphones over Zoom than it can in a... In a and then if somebody does now that they want to go read your work, you kind of know that guy until you're reading it from his perspective. So let's talk about some of the other things that people were surveyed about here. One of the things I asked was, do you pay to subscribe to any message boards or sites besides these texts? Because again, we're sending out the texts that you have to pay for to get. So we know you're subscribing to one thing. No, 69%, which surprised me. I thought more of our tech subscribers would be like, hey, I like in Ohio State information and I pay for it a couple of different places. So 31% said yes. 31, it was 23%, yes, I subscribed to one more thing. 8%, I subscribed to multiple more things than the texts. That actually, I feel like now I feel pressure on the texts. It's like for 70, 69% of the people, it's like, this is, they don't, they don't pay for anything else. So now I'm going to be freaked out and not myself, and I'm going to vet every text like I'm the AP because now all of a sudden it feels important. I thought I just like that ah, text. I don't know. You write it with your thumbs. Who cares? Nathan, what, what do you think of that? And I will say this. Listen, folks, I got so many great. I, I, so I, we got, I sent out the first survey and said, and also just reply with any thoughts you have about this. And some people wrote some really long things. And I said, we're not going to rip anybody, but if you want to praise some other sites, that's great. Listen, a lot of people like 11 Warriors. A lot of people like Letterman Row. A lot of people like Bucknuts. A lot of people like the Dispatch. A lot of people like Bill and Ari. We know that. So there were lots of nice things said about all of them. And I think a lot of people did acknowledge the different lanes that we've all sort of made for ourselves. But some people did say, the message boards and texts are very, very, very different to them. And that there is, and again, it's not surprising. These are our tech subscribers. There are a decent number of people who said, I wish you would have separated the text and the message boards because I really like the text, but I would never go on a message board. And so, because the texts are kind of about our in- information, our brief analysis, message boards are not that. Message boards branch off in a million different ways. And I think there is a decent chunk of people here, Nathan, who, who like the little tidbits of info from people who cover the team, but don't want to get mired in what they feel like is maybe the muck of message boards. While there are plenty of other people 
the people who are on those message boards who never would subscribe to our texts, who say, I love the message boards. It's my community. I love interacting and hearing everybody's thoughts because one thing about our texts is we send out the texts. They see our texts. They respond to us. Sometimes we respond back to them, but our texters can't talk to each other, which at times we've had texters almost ask for that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's a message board. Yeah. And we don't have a message board at cleveland.com, but there are people who sort of like, for lack of a better word, our expert analysis, our inside info, direct to them without the other stuff. But it is, right, Nathan, message boards and texts are different. They are. They are. I was saying before, like the texts are kind of our version of that, but we, we don't have that. Right. And I used to be envious um, in a previous life of competitors who had that message board um, community because you do get like this very rabid following and um, of people who, you know, they're getting on there, they're having conversations. It really just kind of organically thrives on its own. But then you see what happens the first time that team loses a game it's not supposed to. And you're like, man, I am not going anywhere near that place without a like a hazmat suit and uh, whatever, like it's just radioactive today. And so I'm glad that uh, I, we don't have to put up with that quite to the, the same degree. Uh, as far as like the, the fact that what you said before about like, man, now there's pressure on the text. The hardest thing to do on any beat is get that like insider position and get like nitty gritty, accurate, insider details like that's the hardest thing to do on any beat writing is easy podcasting is relatively easy reporting to that level is really hard and that's the thing especially on this beat because there's 16 outlets and a lot of these guys have been doing this for a long time including you and it's it's it takes some so that's like still the thing that like stresses me out the most about my job is like finding a way into that for those subscribers, those tech subscribers, like mm-hmm. that three ninety nine a month. That's what that's supposed to be for. And like trying to like enhance that three ninety nine's value is um, the thing that like we need to do the most and is also the hardest thing to do. I also think the text benefit and that's kind of like our sales pitch, the fact that you don't have to do anything extra to get the text. You just, you know, sign up and then like they come to you. This info, if Nathan or I or Doug finds something out, we just text it to you and it's just, you're going along about your day and, oh, Buckeye Talk just texted me. While with a lot of this other stuff, you got to get on a computer or go to a website and search through a lot of stuff. There, you don't really have to do all that with the text. And now I sound like I'm promoting it, which we always are promoting the text, but it's that's just the difference there for us. When we get to that point, you don't have to go searching for it. It's just going to randomly pop up on your phone at 2 PM in the afternoon when you're on your lunch break. But I think as our texters would tell you, the ones who subscribe to other places, like the message boards from the sites that are, are trusted, like the people they'll bring it up on their phone and they're just hitting refresh every time there's supposed yeah. to be like some kind of piece of news coming because they they're 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 that into it. So, um, yeah, we're cutting out the middleman, but I think it's more about like having access to that information mm-hmm. that people really care about. All right. A couple other questions here. What do you think of the size of the Ohio State beat? which I would say includes at least 12 outlets covering Ohio State on a comprehensive regular basis. And actually, it's like more like 16, as we just said. 43% said, seems normal. It's a popular program. 38% said, it's crazy big to me. How are there so many? 19% said, why would I possibly care about the size of the beat? I just like the Buckeyes. So, I, I mean, that's not, it's not like people should actually know that stuff. So I just yeah. kind of am curious about the uh, op- opinions there. Um, let's see. 
On an average day during football season, other than a game day, how much time do you spend consuming Ohio State football content by listening or reading? The choices were half an hour or less, 30 minutes to an hour, an hour to two hours, two to three hours, three hours plus. So this is a hard one to guess. I'll just read it, guys. An hour to two hours, one at 45%. 30 minutes to an hour was second at 29 Two to three hours, 11% was third. Three hours plus, 9% was fourth. Half an hour or less was last at 7%. So that's 93% of our people who are doing at least 30 minutes to an hour. But frankly, like if you listen to Buckeye talk every day, that's enough. Yeah. As I said, one to two hours is going to win this survey because we begin an hour and a half every day. Yeah. And that's that's 20% of the people who are doing two hours or more. Right. Which is, again, it's like, well, if I listen to an hour long podcast and then I sort of read, you know, a couple different sites and check in on a message board or two or whatever. I mean, like, it's easy to get to that. And I do think a lot of that it might be if you're doing two hours, it might be like an hour. What's the word where you don't really have to do anything. You just put stuff in your ears Mm -hmm. and then an hour where you're more proactive. I'm going to look for stories. I'm going to read things. So um, that actually kind of does kind of does make sense to me. Uh, I guess the last one here, and I'm a little bit embarrassed by this. I, I almost question whether I should share it because um, I'm not here to brag. But I was, I said, who is your favorite personality covering the Buckeyes? And and I did win. Um, Wait, which I, one of you won, though? That's I tried the question. To give, I tried to give different options, you know. Mm-hmm. So I will say uh, definitely Doug won at 27%. Actually, definitely Doug and Doug Maurice. Each got 27% of the vote. Wait, yes, it's Doug got 20%. Everyone except Doug got 14%. And Tim May got 12%. So when I put this out, I was sure that all the Doug options were going to lose to Tim May. So this is not representative. Uh, Tim May would win that every day of the week. But uh, I do appreciate the kind votes from uh, the... 74% of you who were forced to choose me. In the end, this is a pretty interesting beat. I do think sometimes it's competitive. I almost think it could be more competitive because I did come up uh, in like East Coast sports writing where, you know, people are, people are really jackholes there. And I think I've told this story. I, I will say it is very difficult. I, I am at 11 podcasts per week. I realized the other day because I'm doing five here, two for the playoff show, and I do four of the five rounds podcast. So I forget where I say stuff and where I don't, but, but I would direct anybody to this. Um, so in 1998, as a young uh, sports writer, after two and a half years working in the Chicago suburbs, I got a job covering the Philadelphia Phillies when I was 24 and a half for the paper in Wilmington, Delaware. And there was a story in Sports Illustrated that came out a couple months before I got on the beat. And it was about, it was written by Michael Bamberger, who has been now a longtime sports writer. And it was about his life on the Philadelphia Phillies beat and how everybody else on the beat was mean to him. And I was like, oh, cool. That's the beat that I'm going to next month. And here's a national story in Sports Illustrated. And the story may as well have been called when I covered the Phillies and everyone was mean to me, I was like, I am going to be murdered on this beat. So 
I went on the beat and I was young and crazy and dumb and everybody was so nice to me. I mean, the, the people from the big city Philly papers were very kind to me, but there was some hardcore competition in there, man. And like the idea that in the end, if you guys have listened to both parts of this uh, podcast, you know, it's like, I kept asking people, Hey, you get any fights on the beat? And everyone's like, no. And I'm like, is it just me? I thought everybody else was fighting with each other too. It's just me apparently. But man, I, you cover sports in Philadelphia. You're fighting with the other guys on the beat. That's just the way it is. But I can remember one time very vividly when I was young and trying to figure stuff out, I, the Phillies were playing the Yankees and I went into the Yankees clubhouse before the game. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was asking somebody for the Yankees some questions about the Phillies for something I was writing. And I got like a really good answer. And I get back upstairs and somebody for Baseball America had been in the gaggle of reporters. It wasn't a one-on-one interview, but everybody else, there was a Yankees reporter. None of the other Phillies reporters went over there with me. And somebody who works for Baseball America was handing the quotes that this Yankee said about the Phillies to one of the Philadelphia writers because he was friends with them. And it had been like one of the writers who had been in the Sports Illustrated story of sort of like being mean. And he was always nice to me, but it was like he had all these people who sort of had his back on stuff. And I was like, I went over there. I asked the questions. I got the interesting answer. Everybody else was up like eating dinner. And then you get handed this stuff on a platter. You know, it's like, what is happening here? But like this guy was such a veteran. He had created this network, you know, of all this different stuff. Um, And so I got really mad about that. I didn't yell at him because I was young and he was old. But there was just a lot of like, get the story at all costs kind of thing happening. And I got my butt beat every day of the week for the four seasons that I covered that Philadelphia team. But like, it sort of taught me what to do. Right. And the idea of like, it's sort of like all's fair and love and war, man. Like I'm getting the story, I'm doing my thing. And I kind of don't care about you. And if I'm trying to do my thing and you doing your thing interferes with me doing my thing, I'm going to tell you about it. So that is the brand of journalism that I then brought back to central Ohio, where things aren't quite the same as they are in Philadelphia. But I have applied that over the years to I'm doing my thing. We're all independent of each other. But like, if I think your thing is jacking me up, I'm going to tell you about it. And is that right? Yes, it is right. I'm not going to apologize for it. But Nathan, I just do think, and it's not bad, but as it turns out, uh, nobody else yells at anybody else. But I almost think people could be meaner to each other because there are times, I mean, I've been on people's butts. If you're live tweeting a question that I'm asking and I'm trying to work something here and you're standing there like a robot and all you're doing is live tweeting, like get out. Like you're, this is not, you're, you're stealing my stuff because I know I can't, I can't get a one-on-one, but for you to put it on Twitter in 11 seconds. And I never do that to you because you never open your freaking mouth. Like I'm going to tell you that. And I have told people that over the years, you but I do, th- <laughs> I do think it's like the Philly in me and I'm not Bill Anders. If I said I'm from Philly, it'd be like Wilmington, Delaware, <laughs> not Philadelphia. Yeah. His head exploded. I apologize. <laughs> But that's where I come from. And as and as much as like I do think this is a competitive beat, I do think it's a little different when it's college instead of the pros. And as whenever anybody in Columbus is like, oh, man, that was a tough question. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you understand what like an everyday news conference is like in New York for the Giants or the Jets or the Yankees or the Mets or the Knicks or anybody else? Like it is life or death every day. 
after a shoot around. So I don't know, Nathan, just, I, I want to get sort of your guys' perspectives in the end on, I do think collegiality is good, but I also think like fight to the death. I'm going to do my job. You do yours and don't get in my way is not so bad either. Well, I think it's about picking your battles a little bit too. I think maybe that's what happens more here. I think if, if somebody crosses somebody, especially if you have an ethical concern, I think someone's going to bring that up um, I think in, in, a, in a direct way. But I also think because of that, there's no reason to make more out of small things than, than there is. You know what I mean? Like mostly just because I've got too much to do and I'm, I, I think everybody's that way. This is a busy beat. Everybody's putting out a lot of content. So I think that's a little bit of the dynamic there. It, it's more, maybe that's more the Midwestern thing. It's like you're, you are more congenial the rest of the time, but you are going to speak up when it, when it matters. And then it's going to carry maybe a little bit more weight. It doesn't just get folded in with the, the daily grievances that people walk around with on your East coast beat. I think it might depend on what you're writing. Cause I mean, we can tell. Well, you can always tell when somebody's asking a certain question for the sake of a feature story. And you go, and then you might joke with them after, oh, you're writing a feature story on this guy. Like Bill Landis does this a lot. You can tell when he's clearly doing a film breakdown on something with the way he asks some questions. So it's like if somebody's for somebody to just tweet that out, that'd be kind of disrespectful. It's that, but then also I think I wonder now in this world of NIL, where Yes, there's going through the SIDs to talk to guys, but I mean, I've seen Dan Hope do it. He's the only guy on this beat who has talked to JT since he joined Ohio State. And that's because he just happened to go to where he was getting his suit for an NIL deal. Oh, now, no, just to we, be clear, he didn't happen to go. Nobody uh, yeah, grinds. Nobody yeah, right. grinds. Yeah, nobody like works Dan like Dan. Yeah. So yeah. to that point, if we can do that and it's okay, that's like a avenue for people to start getting competitive if you are if you get in with like you see it in the pros all the time people don't always go through the pr people sometimes they go through their endorsement people whoever their endorsement rep is so if we can do that and i mean trayvon henderson just got a deal with right card to get a car if you get close with the people at right card and all of a sudden they're like hey quinn yours or trayvon henderson's going to be here on tuesday at one o'clock if you want to come in and look at some cars and then you're getting a one-on-one interview with a player that's an avenue for some people to get competitive even if it's not necessarily rah-rah in your face all the time yeah no i think that's real i don't know if i love that but it doesn't matter what we love it's like we got to figure it out and and in the end you've got to do within your standards and within your ethics you've got to do what you've got to do to cover your team and to serve your readers and to serve your listeners. And so um, that can be competitive, but I, I have at times in the past been disappointed on the beat when to your point, Steven, someone is clearly working on something. They have to ask it in a group setting and not only a tweet, but somebody will just take and spin a 300 word story. That is just mm-hmm. all the answer that somebody else asked before that person gets to write their thing. And is it, I mean, are you allowed to do it? It's like, of course you're allowed to do it. It's a public setting, but I do think it's disrespectful. I think that's the right word that there's kind of a thing here. It's like, listen, we're, this is, we all have these constraints and we're all doing the best we can, but can you let me work my thing? And I very much in the past, when I was doing much more like the coverage by myself and I was like, I'm doing a feature story in a notebook every day. If I could tell that somebody was working something Somebody asked a question on a Tuesday and I know they're working something, but it is pretty freaking interesting. I would ask them, when are you writing that? And if they said, I'm going to write it for Wednesday, I would say, okay, is it okay with you if I lead my notebook with it on Thursday? 
And they'd say, yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. right? Because theirs is out there first and I'm not getting to jump on them. But if they would say, I'm not writing it till Friday, because sometimes back then it's like, well, listen, this is the only day you could get Jim Tressel. You have to ask him on Tuesday, but you're planning Mm -hmm. it for your Friday feature. I wouldn't write it. It'd be interesting. It would be interesting. And it'd be out there for three days. But I would not do that to them because they don't have another avenue to get that interesting quote. And I respect what they're trying to do. And I'll do my own thing. And I would hope people would give me the same respect. And there were too many times when I was doing this by myself where I feel like people didn't get that. And maybe that's old fashioned, but that would tick me off. Can you give me the respect of that? Was that pre-internet? It was probably like not necessarily pre-internet, but pre this. Well, no, it, it wasn't pre-internet because it would be almost like I'm not going to do that to you because I don't want my story to be out there on the internet. Pre-Twitter, yeah, yeah. not pre-internet. Okay. Okay. But I don't want my story. Jim Tressel explains how he and Terrell Pryor ate Cocoa Puffs together, right? Because someone asked a story, what, when you're recruiting a player, what are moments when you've really had like a personal connection with somebody that you really think influence? And, and then Jim Tressel tells a Terrell Pryor Cocoa Puff story. And it's like, man, that is an awesome story. But clearly this person's writing a story about the personal connections that head coaches mm-hmm. make with recruits. And it's a story. It's not just one anecdote. It's a story. And I'm not going to jump their story for a cute notebook. I, I don't care how many readers I would get off of it. I'm not going to do that to them because they don't have another option. And I would have that, you know, I would honor somebody else with that. And then I wouldn't get honored the same way. And it would make me want to commit murder. And I don't know if that was me just like applying my standards, which that's not even ethics. It's just, it's, it's the grace on the beat of like, listen, man, can you cut me a break? I'm trying to do a thing. We don't have open locker room. Well, how am I supposed to do this? Can you just cut me a break and I'll cut you one? And it would really upset me when people would not do that. And so there was a time. That's when I was an angry, angry man. If you think I'm angry now, my God, I used to be angrier. But that's because I was trying to cover a team by myself and dealing with that kind of crap. And like, I don't worry about that anymore. I don't worry about that anymore. But I used to worry about it a lot. It's frustrating when people do it who – and in turn, don't ask questions. Yes. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're, if you're not asked, it's, it's one thing if like, all right, you're just normal and you're asking questions anyway. All right, fine. But if you're not asking questions, but then like six hours later, I'm seeing you post something. It's like, dude, you had your chance to ask Ryan Day this question. You had this chance to ask Chris Olave or Justin, whoever these questions, and you didn't do that. And now you turn somebody's whole idea into whatever it is you're doing because you have to have something that day. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I, when I worked on a smaller beat, I think that courtesy was already a little bit just more baked in. But once I got here and it's this sprawl, I just sort of assumed that wasn't even a thing worth getting mad about because there's just so many people around listening to everything that gets said in those public settings that what are you going to do? Yeah, I do think maybe lately with the advancing internet and how much news matters, there are fewer questions. I feel like when I started on the beat, there were more questions in a news conference on a Tuesday that were clearly feature story related, you know, that were clearly mm-hmm. about, hey, I'm writing about the tight end. I'm going to ask you about the tight end. And maybe if you tell a great tight end story, other people are going to be tempted to use it. But like even maybe it's right now it's because like there's things are going wrong. But like there were no feature story. <laughs> there were no feature story questions in the <laughs> news conference. That was two weeks, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Information gathering, right? So then it doesn't apply. But it is. It's a courtesy. 
that I, I hope people would extend to each other in a world where we don't have open locker rooms and you can't ask stuff on your own. And the thing that would make me mad is like, I think that's one of the things I do best is come up with the ideas and ask questions about them. And then when I think you suck at your freaking job and you're coming, you're suckling off the teat of little Dougie, I'm going to get pissed about it. Now oh. I just said like nine bad words in 10 seconds. <laughs> and they tried to clean it up with little Dougie. Just the Buckeye meme guy, for the love of God, <laughs> let suckling <laughs> off the teat of little Dougie go. Yeah. Just let it sail on by. <laughs> Just let it, just oh. let it roll right past you like a tumbleweed in the in a ghost town. Yeah, Ooh. I do. It's it's hard because, again, I, I always keep saying I'm not going to apologize. Like I I try to hold myself to a standard, and then I apply that standard to the world. And whenever someone doesn't live up to my standard, then I get very angry. And it's like, well, why does the world have to live up to your standard? You are not the boss of everybody, and that's probably why I should go see a psychiatrist because I think I am. All right. I hope people thought that was interesting because that is a double podcast, like four hours of talking about covering this team. And then we'll get back to covering the team. So Friday pod, we're going to be making our picks for Akron. We'll talk about everything that Stephen and Nathan learned Wednesday night. Um, We're not covering that on the Thursday pod because we're doing this on the Thursday pod. But guess who's coming on the Friday pod? It's just going to be me interviewing him because you guys are going to be dealing with the Ryan Day Rapid Fire and the Ryan Day Radio Show. But T. Shoe, Tyler Shoemaker, is going to join us for a guest appearance to talk about how dumb we have been with our picks so far. Nathan, you thinking hard about whether you're giving that 49 or not? No. No thought yet. No thought. There's enough <laughs> going on. That is not on the top of your list of things to worry about, whether to give the 49. All right. So we'll talk about that. We'll do the preview as usual for the Friday podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed it, whether you're listening to it right now in Akron week for Ohio State or whether you are listening to it six months from now in the offseason, because we'll promote it again. We'll be like, hey, you know what would be a good thing to do? Go listen to the four hours about covering Ohio State that we did in September of 2021. Thanks to the guys at Letterman Row. Thanks to the guys at the Dispatch. Thanks to the guys at The Athletic. Thanks to Dan Hope at 11 Warriors. Thanks to the guys at Bucknuts. Thanks to Ben Koo. Thanks to everybody on the Ohio State beat that goes out and busts their butts every day uh, in service of this large and passionate and educated and ravenous fan base that allows all of us to have jobs. I mean, think about you guys listen to this. Think about the people you employ doing this thing. Covering a football team for real. It's like 16 outlets worth jobs human jobs amazing ohio state fans make it happen on behalf of nathan baird and stephen means i'm doug Maurice, and that was buckeye talk